At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This is hour number three of the Nightcap, coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino. Femi Abebefe alongside Wes Reynolds. We just crowned a champion in the NBA. Golden State Warriors defeat the Boston Celtics in six games, so cash those Warriors tickets if you had them. But we will be crowning a champion in the U.S. Open come Sunday evening. And to help us break down all things that we saw in the first round, we bring in our buddy, VEASAN host and editor Matt Humans. Humans, what's going on, man? Um, to start off, I got to ask you: any players that you're looking to add to your betting card after 72 holes? After 72 holes? Um, after after 18. After. Sorry, after 18 holes. Sorry, 18. I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to crown a champion today. <laughs> That's okay. Well, we crowned a champion in the NBA tonight, and I got to give a, <laughs> a tip of the cap to Brent Musburger. He picked the Warriors in six before the series. When they were down 2-1, it didn't look like uh, that had a chance. But the Celtics showed their immaturity. And, uh, you know, you got the best player in the series. Uh, you always got a great shot. And Stephen Curry was the best player in the series. Got a lot of help from Andrew Wiggins and uh, Clay Thompson elevated their games. So NBA season's done. All the focus on the U.S. Open now. I don't typically add guys after 18 holes. I wrote the update for decent.com and I was sitting in earlier tonight. And I played six players on the futures board before the tournament. And what I want is to have you know, at least three of those guys in a good position going into the weekend. And then maybe I'll look to add somebody on Friday night. I, I try to avoid overreactions because I think you get a lot of those after the first round. And um, I didn't really see anything that jumped out to me. Maybe if Xander Shopley was a guy you didn't play before the tournament and you liked the way he played today. Uh, you can find 29 to 1 out there, I think, at the Westgate Superbook on Shopley. You might add him. I've got him in a matchup over Jordan Speed, so I'm just going to stick with that. Um, Shane Lowry, uh, 70 to 1, maybe a guy you could play if you're looking for a long shot at that point. But no, after 18 holes, I'm in pretty good position with uh, five of the guys I bet, including uh, Max Homa, Will Zalatoris, uh, Justin Rose, who's right up there near the top and came in with a hot hand. So, I feel pretty good about the way the first round turned out today. Yeah, and, and Matt, we look. Uh, the morning guys, I thought, about a half stroke better than the afternoon guys. 16 of the 25 
rounds in the 60s were shot in the morning. So I'm not going to add anybody tonight simply because, you know, there might be another draw bias toward the morning guys, the guys that went out there this afternoon. And uh, you're in pretty good shape. I've got a couple guys up there, a couple lurkers, but we've got 78 players at or within six shots of the lead. So, you know, maybe a little bit too early. It seemed like we didn't learn anything today, but maybe what we learned, uh, Rory McIlroy, the momentum still going plus 450, but he gained a lot with the putter today, Matt. Four and a half strokes putting, so I feel like if you want to get involved in the live market, this is a favorite that you can take on at this point. You know, and the thing that's interesting is uh, Rory had some difficulties out there, too, especially in the bunker when he had that bad fly, and I felt like he, he couldn't have played better today. He, he, he'd easily be your first-round leader uh, right now, but uh, your score is what it is, and uh, every golfer is going to lament a, a couple of strokes he got away. I thought Rory was solid. Wes, he has won four majors, right? I think Rory's won yes. four. And he hasn't won one since 2014. All four times he won a major, he shot 67 or better in the first round. That's exactly what he shot today. So I think he's got to be encouraged uh, by the way he played. Uh, he's up there in the top of the leaderboard with a lot of long shots and no-name type of players. Adam Hadwin was as high as 475 to 1. That's where he closed at Circa. He's got a one-stroke lead. Hadwin has never finished in the top 20 in a major. He's got one career PGA Tour win. And seldom is a guy going to go wire to wire. Obviously, it's a long way from over. But it's, uh, it's always interesting when you see a long shot like that lead after the first round. Jeff Sherman told me he closed Hadwin at 300 to 1 at the Westgate Ooh. and had one ticket. That's it. On Hadwin for $10. And uh, so he was not, obviously, a popular pick. But you got David Lingmurth and a lot of guys – uh, around the top of the board that makes you think Rory is definitely the favorite here after the first round, plus 450, I believe, at uh, the Westgate. And right now, plus 485 at Circa. I wouldn't go too crazy. If you didn't bet Rory at 10 to 1, don't sweat it. He could take a step back tomorrow. It's no big deal. we got a long way to go in this tournament. And, Wes, I'm not sure what your your approach is, your strategy typically is on these all the time, but I rarely add players after Thursday's round on the futures board. I, I definitely look to do it more on uh, Friday night. Maybe if I'm not happy with the way the first two rounds went or I see a guy, I, I just have a feeling is going to win the thing. Yeah, I think that's the right approach because you do get those draw biases. And look, we saw that materialize, Femi, at the PGA Championship. Remember, Justin Thomas was in the bad end of the draw, yep. and he was yeah, two strokes yeah. off the lead, and then all of a sudden, you know, didn't see a lot of, you know, drift in the market necessarily, but he was in the bad end and hung on and ended up winning this thing. So I think after Friday night, after 36 holes before Saturday morning, that might be where you can find one or two guys a little bit down the board that could be chasers with the leaders, especially if this leaderboard stays like it is with a lot of inexperience and in major championships up there. You know, what's interesting about that too, Wes, is in the PGA, I added Thomas after Friday night. I think he was around four to one at that point. And then uh, he, he played so poorly on Saturday. He missed uh, two or three short putts, and I, I thought he kind of played himself out of it. So going into Sunday, he wasn't even the guy I thought I really had in contention, and he fell eight strokes back and came all the way back to win that PGA, and that's why I said you got to over – You've definitely got to try to avoid the overreactions early in a tournament like this. We're speaking with Matt Humans, VEASAN host and senior editor. Humans, um, the U.S. Open, it's always known for being the toughest challenge uh, for golfers here, but we had 25 players go under par today in the first round. Were you surprised by the amount of guys in red figures? Uh, 
I didn't expect a bunch of guys to be in red figures. Actually, you got 156 in the field, and uh, I, I probably would have guessed somewhere around 20, 30 players be under par or something like that. I didn't expect anybody to go really low. So it's a par 70 course. I thought the best score we might see today was a 65, so we're right around that. 66 was a, the best score out there. And I, I'm not sure what you guys think after watching today, and you look at the weather forecast, but it looks like scoring – might be tough throughout the weekend. I, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised at the winner of this tournament somewhere around five to seven under. What yeah. do you think the number's going to be? Yeah, that's where I kind of projected pre-tournament, Matt, because I do think it's going to get tougher over the weekend. And look, mm-hmm. uh, the USGA, I mean, sometimes they can't help it, but they'll doctor up that course and they'll put these <laughs> pins oh, yeah. in really oh, yeah. tough places. And the pins, I don't think, were really that tough no. necessarily today. But the greens are going to get firmer. And these greens, I think mm-hmm. this is what's tougher for the players this week. The rough is thick, but it's not overwhelming and that's what your concern is. I mean, you've seen some guys that were especially big messes on the green, namely Phil Mickelson. Uh, yeah. The live stands for the amount of putts I think that he had in his round. <laughs> it seemed like he had about 54 putts. But, uh, Matt, I want to ask you about one player that both you and I have pre-tournament, and it seems like, you know, we can't get away from him because he keeps kind of sucking us in because he plays damn well in these majors, <laughs> even though he has not won a PGA Tour event yet, and that's Will Zalatoris, and he was two over through 10 today. And, look – Small guy, lot of frame, but he's a tough guy for a for a real tall, skinny guy. And I was impressed with Will Zalatoris. I think he's going to be right there on Sunday. Yeah, like you said, off to a very good start, and I was concerned, but he bounced back. And the fact that he was one under after today's round, I thought was really encouraging. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's in pretty good position. We know he's resilient. He's lost twice in a playoff here since late January, and uh, I think he's got about as good a shot as anybody up there at the top right now. I, I, I did play Willie Z at 25 to one. Uh, so like you said, I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic going into going into uh, tomorrow that he's going to hang around for the weekend. I was driving accuracy was a big, uh, I think area of emphasis in this tournament. And I was a little bit concerned about Willie cause he gets erratic with his driver, but it, he's strokes gained, st- strokes gained approach. Number one on tour, mm-hmm. So I was a little bit conflicted. I, I went ahead and played him, and uh, I, I think the results today were actually pretty good considering, like you said, he was two over through ten. I like where he is right now. Uh, Matt, I know you at, talked about Xander Shoffley as a guy that maybe you could look to add if you haven't bet him mm-hmm. already. He's still around that 29-1. to 1. But of those guys who are even par or worse, who do you think can have a good day tomorrow, whether it's Scheffler, Hideki, Burns, Speed, Cantlay, Cam Smith, or anybody else I didn't mention? Well, I hope it's Sam Burns. Because I've got him and he's one over. I'd like to see Sammy uh, swinging Sammy catch fire tomorrow. Uh, one guy I think is going to play better is Shane Lowry. I said that he's two over and um, he shot 72 today. You can find him at 70 to one odds. I wouldn't be surprised if Lowry shoots his way uh, back into it. I'm not really sure where Scotty Scheffler's at right now. West might have a better read on that than I do. Should the Masters champ uh, hasn't really been in great form recently. He was just so-so out there today. Uh, shooting even par. I, I would not bet Scheffler at this point. I, I just don't feel like he's going to rally. What's interesting about uh, X-Man, Shopley, sometimes he'll have that really hot round where he's the best player on the course on the weekend, and that's why I'm going to keep an eye on him. Yeah, you look at Scheffler. He was great in driving accuracy today, hit a lot of fairways, just didn't make any putts. So uh, even par. Uh, Matt, got about 45 seconds left. Who was the player today that most disappointed you in round one? The Boston Celtics. No, no. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> if 
Phil Mickelson. No, I, I didn't expect much from Phil. Uh, who disappointed me? I think Cameron Young. That's mm-hmm. a guy I thought was going to play a lot better today. I think he's two over. It's not like he's out of it, but Cameron Young I was hoping for. That was one player of the six, I bet, that I was most discouraged about. And uh, I guess, Wes, I think you're a fan of Sergio. I'm not. I was kind of happy <laughs> Sergio. I'm happy to see Sergio shoot four over, and I was looking to play against him in a matchup tomorrow because he's the type of player I think when he's out of it, he might just he might just quit tomorrow. A lot of the live guys did bad today. Yeah. I think only one yeah. par. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see Dustin Johnson there look at, lurking, though, at two under par. He has not been mm-hmm. in good form for the last year and a half. So uh, one guy holding up the live banner, at least through round one. DJ plays well at these U.S. Opens. He is Matt Eumanns, VEASAN host and senior editor. Eumanns, we appreciate you joining us this evening. And uh, all the best going forward with your U.S. Open bets. All right, you bet. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, Matt. It. We will break down the U.S. Open after 18 holes on the other side. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the nightcap on vsin the sports betting network If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This is the Nightcap. Femi Bebefe alongside Wes Reynolds here. We were t- speaking with Matt Humans in the last segment talking about the U.S. Open. Uh, mm-hmm. I took in a lot of the coverage today while I was getting ready for the show, when I was after I worked out and all those things. Just going, up, going about my day watching a lot of the U.S. Open coverage. And I was a little surprised by how well so many guys played here right. on the course because everybody talks about the U.S. Open, the toughest mm-hmm. challenge in golf. Uh, the, the rough is going to be thick, you know, it's going to be eight feet high and, and all mm-hmm. this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, I thought guys played relatively well given the expectations. Um, what jumped out to you when you were watching today's action? Yeah, and I think, look, you usually see at least a solid first round. They didn't get the carnage right away, but as we were talking about with Matt in the last segment, it's going to get harder. The USGA is going to put the pin positions on impossible places over the weekend, especially on Sunday for the final round. So, 
this isn't like a normal tournament where all of a sudden you expect that lead is going to just expand progressively yeah. where it's like, okay, it's going to be seven or eight under tomorrow. And then it's going to be 10 or 12 under. This is the U S open. Usually don't see double digits very often at the U S open, but Look, I still think the course played, I mean, relatively difficult considering the fact that it is a shorter course, about 7,250 yards and change. And we've seen the last couple of years at the U.S. Open, it's been bomb and gouge because they were at Torrey Pines last year. They were at Wingfoot and for the U.S. Open setups, you know, 7,500, 7,600 yards plus. And that's what you did was bomb and gouge. You, you, you look up right now at the current leaderboard, obviously not a lot to take from it because you have... Callum Terran and MJ Duffy and Hayden Buckley and Matthew Neesmith, who have not yet even won on the PGA Tour. David Lingmuth did years ago at the Memorial, but you you don't see, I mean, you know, one of those guys may stick around and be in the hunt. You know, there's always kind of a name that comes out of nowhere a little bit that's kind of like, okay, who is this guy? And he sticks around and gets you a top five or something like that. But I think you look at these guys, not exactly really super long drivers of the golf ball. Rory McIlroy, of course, one, one of the yeah. best. And, you know, going back to McIlroy, I think not only, you know, this fight against the Live Tour has really inspired him, but I also think he's gotten a little bit out of his own head. And I think why he struggled, you know, at least by his standards for a couple years, was that I think what Bryson DeChambeau was doing in terms of driving the golf ball and just hitting it off onto another planet, whereas Rory is one of the longest hitters and he's getting just crushed by DeChambeau. So I think Rory got a little bit obsessed with length and it's like, dude, you're still one of the longest hitters on yeah. in the world and a very good driver of the ball. Concentrate on those irons and concentrate on those wedges and you're going to be just fine. And I think you're kind of seeing that a little bit with Rory McIlroy. So look, I don't think the scores are going to expand. I don't think we're going to get the double digits on the par. I'm with Matt. I felt that the range was going to be, you know, maybe somewhere from like four to seven under par for this. And usually I'm very bad. That's one of the worst things I do in golf handicapping is like, what's the final score? What's the winning score going to be? And I'm way off. That's why I never bet it, even though they put it up, you know, yeah. just because they put it up for you to bet it doesn't mean you have to, you especially if you're not good at it. And I have not been good at predicting winning scores. Right now, looking at the odds board, you mentioned Rory McIlroy. He went off as the favorite before this thing teed off earlier this morning. He's still the favorite now at plus 450 over at DraftKings. You have Justin Thomas, the PGA Championship winner from a month ago at 10 to 1. Matthew Fitzpatrick and John Rahm at 11 to 1. Scotty Scheffler, 16 to 1. Dustin Johnson, shout out to Liv at 18 mm -hmm. to 1. And then Colin Morikawa there at 20 to 1. Will Zalatoris, who we're all three of us are on. Yes. Humans is on yes. him. You're on him. I'm on him. Uh, Scott Seidenberg and the look ahead coming mm -hmm. up next is on, on Will Zalatoris there. Eventually, he's going to win. Hopefully, it's this weekend. Um, but of those guys that are near the top of the leaderboard, they are, they're all still in contention. Yeah. Every single one. Usually at a tournament, it's almost somebody falls out like Patrick mm -hmm. Cantley at the PGA mm -hmm. Championship last mm -hmm. month. They'll fall out and say, okay, that guy's just done. But everybody, like you mentioned earlier, is within six strokes or so of the lead of Adam yeah. Hadwin at four under. This is anybody's tournament, which is going to be fun heading into the weekend. Yeah, I've got a couple guys pre-tournament that are right there in the mix. John Rahm, the third choice, 12, 12 to 1. That's basically a little bit less than what he was pre-flop. I think his best was like 15 or 16 to 1, so mm -hmm. a minor adjustment. I also have Fitzpatrick. His price has been cut by about two-thirds. He is now 12 to 1. Because everybody knows Matt Fitzpatrick did win the U.S. Amateur on this very course, the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, back in 2013 as a 19-year-old collegian at Northwestern. Dustin Johnson, you've seen him cut to 16. And then the 20s, Morikawa, Scheffler, 
Will Zalatoris, Justin Rose, who I know Matt uh, played at 80-1 to this week. I was almost going to get on him. I had him for Canada last week, and he really didn't go off until the final round when at one point it looked like, okay, maybe, you know, they always used to say 59 watch. Well, now it was 57 watch, of course, 58 by Jim Furyk in Hartford several years ago, the all-time record of low round on the PGA Tour. But just looking a little bit down the board, I still think there's some value. I think you can wait. I don't usually like to add here in round one, but just – Guys that I think are going to play a little bit better. Matt mentioned one of them, Shane Lowry, 66-1, yeah. to one, who ended up disappointing two over. He was a guy I bet before the tournament. But, but even that, two over is not bad at the U.S. No, Open. No, if all of a sudden you like go 67 tomorrow yeah. and you know maybe you're three or four back heading into the weekend. Yeah. So Lowry would be a guy I think is going to play well. I think Xander Schauffele at 30-1, to one, I bet him at 22. So he's a little mm-hmm. bit higher, but... You know, just going through these, I, I'm guess I know that Patrick Cantlay, and I would urge a little bit of caution here at eighty to one is going to attract money because he's the number four player in the world. Yeah. But Patrick Cantlay, who I was a little worried, I was like, is this the time he really finally shows out in the major? He's got one top five finish in twenty one career major starts. He has just not gotten it done. And some guys, you know, they get it done early in their career, you know, the Jordan Spieths of the world and whatnot. And some guys, it takes some time. It may take some more time for uh, Patrick Cantlay. So not going to add really down the board just yet. I want to see, you know, when the draw biases equal out a little bit, you know, because I think the guys that went out in the afternoon – certainly will have more favorable conditions in the morning. And that's what you often find a little bit if you're playing matchups or like first-round leader. The wins, more often than not, and pretty much almost every single time, they're going to be more benign in the morning. They're not going to blow as hard as they are in the middle of the afternoon. So you would think, at least logic would tell you, that the guys that go out uh, in the morning that played in the PM session today should have at least slightly more favorable conditions. The top of the leaderboard right now, Rory is a stroke back of Adam Hadwin. But outside of Rory McIlroy, it's a lot of guys who are mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, not really big names on the PGA Tour. Do you think that this event, the U.S. Open, can be won by a long shot? Somebody that went off longer than 80-1 well, to one or so here this week. It really hasn't been in, in, in many years. I think 80-1, to one, if I recall. I'm just going from memory here was kind of the max price that you saw with with the US Open. I think uh I think Gary Woodland was about that a couple of years ago. Yeah. But Gary Woodland was an established player, you know, a some a semi regular winner on yeah. the PGA yeah, Tour. Won. Same with Graham McDowell when he won at Pebble Beach in the early 2010s. Uh this is a guy that had won on the European Tour. This guy had been a Ryder Cupper. So, you know, you look at some of these names and the and the MJ Duffies who uh uh, I actually uh, played in a matchup uh, this week, and so far looking very good. That was a guy who just got his card on the Corn Ferry Tour last month, so you thought, eh, maybe might play well for a round or two here. But, yeah, you usually don't see. I mean, we've seen Chalk uh, you know, a couple times in recent years. John Rahm, of course, last year mm-hmm. at Torrey Pines. Jordan Spieth at Chambers Bay. That was certainly, a memorable one for Certainly me. was a Chalky guy. Uh Brooks Kepka, 45 to 1 at Aaron Hills. I won on him actually at Shinnecock at 25 to 1. He outlasted Tommy Fleetwood, where the weather just like inverted the entire draw that year. But you're usually looking, when you look at the trends, Femi, you're looking at class players. I think it was the last 11 U.S. Open winners and 12 of the last 14 were at least ranked in the official world golf ranking top 30 in the world. And then you also look eight of the last 11 in the OWGR top 15. So you look at those names, Rom. DeChambeau, Kapka, DJ, 
Jordan Spieth. Those guys were all ranked uh, very high and had won big tournaments before. Martin Keimer, when he won in 2014, was in a lot better form than he is now. Justin Rose, a proven player, won in 2013. So you look at these, these guys are all like proven names that have won, you know, on the PGA Tour, maybe on the DP World Tour, elsewhere in the world, and all guys that had at least some decent form coming in. So some of these guys that are at the top of the leaderboard are going to take a tumble tomorrow. Maybe not all of them. There might be one or two that hang around, but... That's a lot. That's a big ask for those guys, you know, to kind of hang around for four rounds. Tony Finau was a hot name after playing so well at the RBC Canadian. Three over today. Any concerns about Finau for tomorrow? Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. He was kind of hanging in there, you know, it was around even one over par when he went to the back nine and then gave it away. And look, I bought in on Tony. Three top fives in the last five events. Uh, just just did not just did not hit the ball well, just did not hit enough fairways today. So maybe he could turn it around. I, I, I think, you know, seven back, that's a lot to ask, I think, uh, in terms of catching up. Yeah. Xander Shoffley at 30 to one, that, that's a little intriguing. You know, X going to give it he to He always you. finds it's... a way to be there at the U.S. Open and has never finished worse than seventh. Killing him Shoffley. We'll see what happens here <laughs> the rest of the weekend. On the other side, talking a little con Smythe in the NHL here on the Nightcap. <laughs> This is the Nightcap on VSEN, the sports betting network. Heat up your lineup with the FootJoy Tee Off Challenge. Join two free fantasy golf contests to compete for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes while the world's best golfers tee off. Head to DraftKings.com slash FootJoy now to join the action. FootJoy, the number one shoe and glove in golf. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for the details. Welcome back. This is The Nightcap coming to you from the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Femi Abebefe alongside Wes Reynolds. Wes, I just looked at the clock and I kind of got startled. I was like, man, it's already 930. This show has flown by. Yeah. It has. Uh, we're already into uh, Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, we I now mean, got the yeah. basketball off the screen, and we got Martin Short and Selena Gomez on the screen what here. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it feels like you know it's it's late, but it's not really that late out here. I've, you know, I'm still even being out here a few years. I get used to this West Coast mm-hmm. time, and it's like, man, it's so late in the East. You, you know, everybody kind of complains about oh nine o'clock start time i'm like i love the six o'clock start time. exactly i love it yeah east coast twitter whenever they're crying about the start times mm-hmm. it just brings me joy because literally everything other than sports you see it before mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. so we, we you can at least give us sports a little right bit. you know <laughs> it's like, right um also on the diamond we haven't talked a lot of baseball because the nba finals was going on also the u.s open that's a very big deal uh we'll have a champion on sunday out at brookline but Right now in Major League Baseball, one game going on in the Pacific Northwest between the L.A. Angels and the Seattle Mariners. The Angels lead that one in the bottom of the eighth for nothing. The Mariners in danger of being mm-hmm. shut out in back-to-back games, yeah. I believe it is. The and, Twins beat them yesterday. But. And a double bomb, by the way, for Mike yes. Trout. So now 30 career home runs at T-Mobile Park. That is The Mariner the most, killer. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just got this uh, This from uh, Chris Comco, I believe, is a graphics producer on the White Sox telecast there at mm-hmm. uh what is it uh nbc sports chicago and he tweeted out this just a moment ago most home runs from the number two spot in the batting order in mlb history 
That would be Mike Trout, who added two tonight, 190. Rhino, second. Ryan Sandberg, 186. And then the captain, Derek Jeter. Jeets, 140. Now batting, number two. Um, yes. <laughs> speaking of Jeter's former team, the New York Yankees, I know you were on the Tampa Bay Rays. You tempted fate. Yes. Once again, they're trying to fade the Yankees. They defeat the Rays 2-1. to one. Man, they Only four it. hits for yeah. the Yankees. That's the second night in a row. They won with three hits last night, three unearned runs, but it was uh, Anthony Rizzo with the walk-off in the bottom of the ninth. Two runs, four hits, good enough for the Yankees because uh, only one run and three hits for the Tampa Bay Rays. I mentioned Yankees 14 in a row at the stadium for the first time since 1961. That team that had Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Whitey Ford, Yogi Berra, Tony Kubek, the list goes on and on. That team went 109-53. and I don't know if the pinstripes are going to do that this year, but they're certainly on pace right yeah. now. 47-16, and the Yankees' record. Right now, they have a 10-game lead in the American League East over the Toronto Blue Jays. And you know, Femi, I usually root for small markets because you like to see teams. You know, you don't like to see the same teams. But I got to tell you, I didn't really do any MLB futures, so it's probably easy for me to say this year. But I wouldn't mind seeing Yankees-Dodgers in the World Series. It's been a long time. I think from a content and and an excitement standpoint, that's probably the best possible outcome for a World Series here. And also, too, I mean, like, it just feels bigger when the Yankees are in the World Series, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. haven't seen that in a while here. I know a lot of teams and people that are very easy to hate the Yankees, people will probably roll their eyes when I say it feels bigger, but it just does because there's the intrigue from every single yeah. sports fan, not just baseball fans. It's sports fans whenever the Yankees are playing well, and they're playing but, the best baseball right now. But in, the, in the number Bills. one team in the National League currently are the New York Mets, who did get a win tonight, 5-4. Mm-hmm. to four. They were down 4-1. to one. I believe, in the bottom of the fourth. Mark Canna with the tying three-run homer, and then they got a run in the bottom of the eighth. So the New York Mets, uh, all of a sudden, the top-ranked record. Uh, San Diego, by the way, second. So the Dodgers, I'm looking and putting them in the World Series. They got, they're, they're, half got game, they're a half game back in the West. San Diego, last year, it kind of seemed like it was too early for the San Diego Padres. You know, they were a year early. They had some injuries. I thought Jace Tingler really burned out that bullpen early Mm -hmm. in the season, and I kept saying it here on VEASAN. They're going to pay for it, and they absolutely did. By the way, 6-4, to they win on the north side in a day game against the Chicago Cubs. Another great outing for Joe Musgrove. Seven innings, nine strikeouts, just gave up five hits and a walk. So Joe Musgrove, that's a guy... You know, he doesn't seem like he's a dominant pitcher, but for the NL Cy Young right now, that's a guy I don't think gets talked about enough, but they're starting to talk about him now. He hasn't lost a start yet this year. Hey, the Mariners are on the board. Does J.P. Crawford with a little RBI double there to make it 4-1. to one. So they heard me talking crap about them getting yes. shut out, and now they are on the board. The important things are what count there in the bottom of the eighth. Angels still lead at 4-1. to one. But um, in the NL East, staying in the NL East from earlier this afternoon, the Philadelphia Phillies defeated the Washington Nationals 10 to 1. Philly was a minus 200 favorite. That goes over the total of nine and a half. These NL East teams continue mm-hmm. to play really mm-hmm. good baseball. Uh, the Mets have been really good despite all the injuries. The Braves have now won 14 yeah, straight. Yeah, how long the are they going to continue won eight of that 10. streak, by the way? And it, they might be able to get it this weekend because they got a three game set in Wrigley. So yeah. we know the Cubs very much struggling right now, 23 and 40. I don't know. It seems like the Cubs gave up like a billion runs to the Padres, basically. I think, uh, yeah, they had four in the first game, and then they gave up 12 on Tuesday night, 19 on Wednesday, six today. So, look, giving up 41 runs in four games to the Padres and the Braves, the way they are putting up runs right now, 
might see them get uh, further on that winning streak. But then the schedule does get a little tougher for the Braves. They got the Giants coming in for a set, and then they got the Dodgers coming in for a set. So now's the time to keep that streak going if you're the Braves, but at least they've gotten themselves back in the race. Yeah, the Mets defeated the Brewers 5-4 to four here as minus 130 favorites in the American League. Boston fell to Oakland at home at Fenway Park there. The A's defeated the Red Sox 4-3, to three, so a sad day for Boston sports fans. But I'm sure they'll get over it after the numerous championships yeah, they've won well, over the last two go, decades. Go hit the beer carts at Brookline <laughs> over the weekend for the U.S. Yeah, Open and forget about for your troubles, chaps. <laughs> yeah, the, the A's were plus 155. The dog there, and the game goes under the total of 9.5. Baltimore bested Toronto north of the border 10 to 2. The O's cash as plus 215 underdogs. Game goes over the total of eight and a half. How about and the Blue Jays? 11 games over 500. We kind of expected, okay, mm-hmm. everybody was all about the Blue Jays. I remember saying all last year on Vison, they're not a 2021 team, they're a 2022 team. They're 10 or 11 games over 500 and 10 games back already in the division are the Toronto Blue Jays. So it's not like the Rays. And the Jays have been bad. And actually, Boston, being hot lately, has kind of been better than maybe people expected. But now you see minus 475 on the New York Yankees. I know there's only 63 games played so far, but a 10-game lead at this point in the season is still pretty darn insurmountable. Yeah. And uh, clean up the American League. The Texas Rangers defeat the Detroit Tigers 3-1. to one, So that cashes those minus 160 tickets on the Rangers. And in a little interleague play, it is the Guardians who best the Rockies 4-2 to two in Denver there as Cleveland cashes minus one. Rangers aren't going to contend, I don't think, in the, in the AL West. But they did make some improvements. Made some moves in terms of free agency and in terms of trades. Only three games under 500, but uh, Houston Astros... They're just beasts on the road, 23 and 14 on the road. So the Astros now with a nine-game lead. Got a lot of double-digit game leads, but look, it is a very long season. So you never want to rule anybody out, but the hour might be getting late in the the AL East at least. I think we we might have talked about that a week ago or so, where there's just so many Mm -hmm. of these teams below 500, which Mm -hmm. you hope it doesn't set up for a boring summer of baseball because these division races, I mean, outside of the – NL Central and the NL West and the NL East. So all the National League divisions right. and stuff. But it's like you're getting some – I mean, I guess the AL Central as well. Well, it's like, well, you know, but. are these bad teams really going to sell off uh, at yeah. the deadline for some of these teams that are disappointed? Like the Chicago White Sox, 30 and 31. Are they going to be buyers here at the deadline? They're currently five games back at the Twins. All of a sudden, the White Sox in third place. And is Tony La Russa going to remain that manager for very much longer on the south side? we got about 90 seconds left. Let's have some quick thoughts on the Conn Smythe Award for the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs there. The favorite, Kale McCarr, plus 140 of the Colorado Avalanche. Nathan McKinnon, plus 140. Well, so they're co-favorites for the Tampa Bay Lightning. You see the two guys there, Nikita Kucherov and Andre Vasilevsky. Any sort of value here after the odds have changed? Post game one with the Avs leading the series one nothing. Rightful favorites with McCarr and McKinnon. It's pretty much a coin flip with them. I kind of thought Vasilevsky, if you like the Lightning, he was like four to one. Now he is currently six to one to go ahead. I don't think the Lightning are necessarily done. I was hoping that they would take game one and then, you know, would be able to get in on Colorado. I think Colorado is going to win the series, but uh, I think the Lightning's going to fight back. We've seen a little trickle of money on them so far for the uh, next game on Saturday night. Yeah, and that's the game two line right there. Colorado minus 155, the Lightning plus 135. The total is sitting at six for Saturday night's game two at Ball Arena 
in so, Denver. So still a lot to play for here uh, with yeah. the uh, Stanley Cup. Uh, they are playing there it is. this, Femi. There it is. Exclusively here. I ignore yeah, yeah. that flip Carolina, it, flip that. Flip ignore that that Carolina <laughs> uh, logo. This so ain't going to Raleigh. Premature. It's staying here in Las Vegas. Yes, or it's going to absolutely. Denver or it's going to Tampa. One of we'll, the two. We'll, we'll uh, drink some beverages out of this cup. Exactly. Maybe some Dewey's. It was, it was Stormy that brought this in? It was. It was Stormy that yes. brought it in. All right. We'll have to ask Stormy if we can borrow it uh, <laughs> for the foreseeable future. <laughs> On the other side, we wrap up the show looking ahead to tomorrow's action in the betting This is the Nightcap on At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Draft like no other. Wine like no other. Play free during the PGA Tour with Mayomi Dare to Play Unrivaled Golf Series. Enter five free contests to take your shot at a share of $25,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Mayomi now to join the action. Mayomi, flavor forward. 21 plus only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsible. Welcome back. This is the Nightcap. Femi Bebefe alongside Wes Reynolds. The final segment of the show. The look ahead with Scott Seidenberg is coming up next after us, so don't you go away. If you dare touch that dial. Um, drink responsibly should be a message sent out to Jordan Poole and the rest of the Golden State mm-hmm. Warriors who got the, the goggles on and everything after they won the title. I mean, I mean, two glasses of, of champagne and, you know, he's a little, he's a <laughs> little, little itty-bitty fella. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be half in the bag maybe with that interview he just did with uh, Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, congratulations to the Warriors, though, winning the NBA Finals in six games over the Boston Celtics, their fourth title in the last eight years, and you had an interesting stat there with the Warriors closing this thing out in the Garden. Yeah, the uh, now the second team all-time in the NBA to win the NBA championship, win that Larry O'Brien trophy in Boston. The last team to do that, of course, was the 1985 Los Angeles Lakers, who, by the yes. way, uh, that season, I think they were 62-20, and 20, Boston 63-19, and 19, and uh, they went ahead and took him in six games in the NBA Finals. Kareem was the MVP. Uh, a lot of Hall of Famers on those two teams. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember, though, if that was the year. Do you remember uh, the uh, the Kurt Rambis clothesline on Ooh, Kevin McHale? Yeah. And that was a common foul. Yeah, now, right? today, it's like you just kind of <laughs> just barely pat a guy. It's like, oh, that's a flagrant, too. Yep. 
have been a flagrant five. Yeah, I think uh, it was. Uh, Aaron uh, Oster, our producer, uh, mentioned that. that. It was that series. Yeah, that, that legendary. And it was like, man, that was just a common foul. I, I do mm-hmm. kind of miss that a little bit. Maybe I'm the old man, get off my lawn guy. But, you know, I like the little physicality. That was probably borderline ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. though. But that's the NBA I grew up on. I grew up on mm-hmm. the the uh, Pistons and the Celtics mm-hmm. getting in fights. You know, Lane Beer and Mahorn Fight. and Larry Bird yep. and everybody. And, you know, contentious, hateful series like the Pacers and the Knicks. Uh, the Hicks versus the Knicks. I remember that headline <laughs> very well in the New York Post. That's kind of like <laughs> when the Pacers arrived on the national NBA scene. Yeah. No, it's uh, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. That 85 Lakers team. Uh, that was the year after in 1984 when they were calling Magic Johnson Tragic Magic. Yeah. After a disappointing series in the NBA Finals. Nine Hall of Famers with these two teams. And I'm not even talking about the coaches, both Casey Jones and Pat Riley, Riley of course. Yeah. But Larry Bird, Dennis Johnson, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Kareem, Magic, Bob McAdoo, Jamal Wilkes, James Worthy. Pretty, pretty good. Little NBA history for you as we wrap things up here on the show for you guys. Um, tomorrow, second round, U.S. Open. We're teeing off bright and early once again on Peacock, USA, NBC, or whichever platform it's being aired on. Um, what are you looking forward to seeing with the second round action? Yeah, I want to see, you know, how this uh, er, the guys that went out in the afternoon do in the early morning, if they put a little bit of distance, perhaps, and see what these guys in the afternoon, because all of a sudden, yeah, I'm only two or three back, and then you might be four or five back when you start your second round. So seeing how that adjusts, I'm not going to add anybody really on the end play may look overnight and see if I can find a couple matchups. By the way, I'll be on up and early uh, on Follow the Money tomorrow with Mitch and Paul doing go. a U.S. Open segment, so I'll Quick have to be uh, for preparing you. for that. I know. I work I'm 24-7 man, 60-minute <laughs> yeah. man, Femi. I know. I thought I had it bad doing a little uh, two-a-day. with the We did the GM Shuffle podcast. Mm-hmm. Make sure to subscribe to that mm-hmm. wherever you get your podcast. Download that puppy. It was really fun. You had an AM, PM doubleheader. I know. Today. It's a little AM, PM doubleheader, but look at you with the quick turnaround as well here doing the Follow the Money show tomorrow. So that'll be a lot of fun. Look out for that with Wes if you want all your U.S. Open analysis and betting advice. Let's turn our attention to baseball, though. Tomorrow's baseball card here. And uh, anything that jumps out to you when you look at this MLB card. We get the Friday series getting underway here. I'm trying to see if there's any intrigue. I mean, you get the Yankees and the, and the Blue Jays are the top two teams in the AL East, but there's a 10-game gap between mm-hmm. those two teams. White Sox going to Houston. Maybe they can right the ship at Minute Maid Park there yeah. where this White Sox team has been kind of floundering. Lucas Giolito on the mound for Chicago. So let's start there. The Houston Astros minus 180 on the money line. The White Sox plus 150, the total at 7.5. Yeah, it's a big number. And look, Giolito, I mean, he hadn't fallen off a cliff or anything, but he's regressed. And I think a lot of these White Sox pitchers have regressed, except for Carlos Rodon, who's now out in San Francisco. By the way, he's going to start tomorrow on the road against Zach Thompson in Pittsburgh. But you had a feeling when you get all these guys with these career years and whatnot, they they have nowhere to go but down. It's so hard to kind of duplicate that over and over again. But uh, Valdez uh, might have a little bit of regression. That's a big number. This is a big series, by the way, for the White Sox. You know, I know only five games back and 30 and 31 kind of trying to crawl back over the 500 mark. But this is where I think that they've got to show a little bit. Uh, for Amber Valdez, by the way, 264 ERA, 336 on the XFIP. So when that XFIP's a little bit higher, I often think that there's going to be regression. But look, the Astros just somehow, some way, even though losing Springer and losing a couple guys, they keep on doing it. So uh, that'll be interesting to see, you know, if the White Sox can go down there and maybe take two or three in Houston 
and give them some confidence. Yeah, could turn things this, around. Yeah, this team has been a major disappointment this year. But one thing I'm looking at too, and we talked about the Braves with that 14-game winning that streak, out next. <laughs> and now they they're, they got a day game in Wrigley against uh, mm-hmm. Keegan Thompson and the Cubs. Cubs look like they're getting at least a little bit of the money or a trickle of the money here. I don't know if uh, maybe they're fading Charlie Morton. I often I call him Charlie my favorite Morton because he's been one of my <laughs> favorite pitchers to bet on over the last few years. But, you know, a little bit heavy with the walks this year, Charlie Morton. Four walks per nine innings, and that's why you see the ERA at 567, XFIP at 421. So maybe some positive regression there. But, uh that's a big number. I think Charlie Morton, uh, you know, Max Fried's obviously been his usual solid self. Mm-hmm. Kyle Wright, I think, has been the real revelation of that brave staff. Uh, Ian Anderson, you know, relatively solid, could be a little bit better. But Charlie Morton has been really the disappointing starter, I think, for this team. So thought that was a little bit of a big number, uh, at least for the Braves. I'm not necessarily taking Chicago as of yet, but certainly in the overnights, you're seeing them get bet at least a tiny bit. Yeah, right now. I mean, at Westgate, they're minus 166, the Atlanta Braves. DraftKings has it at minus 180. But a lot, a lot of the shops here in town are kind of shading toward the Chicago Cubs in this early tilt at the friendly confines of Wrigley Field. The New York Yankees have been the toast of the town in the AL East. Mm-hmm. Now they're going north of the border to take on the Blue Jays here. And Circa has opened this up as Yankees minus 114. Yeah. Blue Jays plus 104. Not a lot of prices in the market, by the yeah. way, if you're looking at the screen because of some injury concerns on the Toronto side. Bo Bichette actually left uh, uh, tonight's game questionable with the leg injury. Matt Chapman battling a wrist issue, so he might not be able to go. Severino was actually supposed to be the starter for the Yankees mm-hmm. tonight. He got scratched in uh, favor of Schmidt, who did a very nice job in relief uh, on a short notice being the starter. So, we don't know uh, when Severino is necessarily going to be back. It looks like it's going to be Jordan Montgomery. So haven't really done anything with this. I want to see if uh, these guys, if Chapman and Bichette, are going to be in the lineup. But if they're not, you would assume, you know, Yankees dollar $1.30, $1.35, or somewhere of that nature. So we uh, parlay the Yankees and Braves? Is that what we're here? That's what uh, – if you've been doing it, you've been winning tickets. But that's the thing about trends, Femi, when everybody knows about it, that's when you want to stay away because yeah. that always seems to happen, you know, when everybody points out that angle. Oh, these first period overs have gone over so much of the time, and then everybody knows about it. And then it's like you want to get on those like little trends or those underlying things. You want to be ahead of it instead of behind it, you know. Don't be late to the party early for the funeral, as Will Hill likes to say on our <laughs> network. Yeah. Or or lightning in the under. Yes. As somebody was on in, in, in game one, unfortunately. Um, we got about 90 seconds left. We get the College World Series getting underway tomorrow as well. I know we'll have Derek Stevens and the whole crew on mm-hmm. tomorrow with us to start mm-hmm. the show off. Those guys, the, Circa has been really big into the yes. college baseball stuff, so we'll talk a lot about college baseball. Yeah, Jeff tomorrow. Davis is a college baseball better. I actually yeah. saw him at our at our uh, U.S. Open draft on Tuesday night, and he puts up college baseball here. And I was talking with him trying to get his insights because he'll bet some regular season stuff. He feels like it's a pretty good market to beat. And he was saying he felt that Texas and Stanford were the best teams. But you look all throughout this, a lot of current SEC and future SEC. The SEC West, uh, by the way, Mississippi and Auburn, they're going to play against each other Saturday night. You got Arkansas, you got Texas A&M, Oklahoma and Texas, future members of the SEC. So Mm -hmm. the team that's been the real value, it's probably been the hot team coming in is Ole Miss. They were a big long shot. Haven't lost at all in the regionals nor the super regionals, and they're about a dollar thirty, dollar thirty-five over Auburn. 
I tend to like Texas in that Friday draw. They're getting Notre Dame tomorrow, who just knocked off, of course, number yep. one, 56 and seven, Tennessee looked like a foregone conclusion. They were going to win this thing. So I think what it's going to come down to, I think it'll come down to Texas. And I'm going to continue to ride Ole Miss. I think okay. Texas and Ole Miss is going to be your eventual final next week at the College World Series. SCC. 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 Stop it. <laughs> that, I hear enough of that in the fall. That does it for the show this evening. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. And thank you to Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans For Wes Reynolds, I'm Femi Bebefe, our entire crew here at the Circle, wishing you all the best with your bets heading into the weekend. Coming up next, the look ahead, Scott Seidenberg. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.